Hello and welcome to the Fabulous at 50 podcast, celebrating a vibrant global community of women over 50 through entertaining interviews that will inspire, educate, and empower. Your host, Joanne Nuaduck, was born to nurture and promote vibrance. Joanne is both the Community Director for Calgary, Canada, and oversees the global operations for Fabulous at 50. As an oncology nurse, integrative practitioner in multiple modalities, life skills mentor and manager, Joanne moves people from challenging situations to positive outcomes through the use of her innate gifts and learned skills. Here's your host, Joanne Nuaduck. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Fabulous at 50. I have on a wonderful guest who is a woman I've had the pleasure of getting to know over the past couple of years. We were first introduced through an email introduction, and then we just found ourselves at different events and, and sitting together. And every time we got together, we had incredible conversations. So I've invited her to be on today's show because she is such a fascinating woman. Although I do fully admit she's not quite officially in the Fabulous at 50 Club. She's in the choosing to be fabulous and she's in the preparatory stage of that, if I can say. And she's really close. We're going to have a big party when you when you turn <laughs> when you turn 50, Jessica. But let's first start out with sharing with our listening audience your incredible bio. Jessica Sudeen has had the good fortune of working all over the globe in corporate settings and at some of the top racetracks in Europe and Canada. Now that's pretty interesting. These adventures have provided Jessica with the awareness on how to navigate and develop positive relationships in the midst of immense cultural diversity. Definitely want to hear more about that. She's raced motorcycles, coached formula race car drivers, and facilitated corporate workshops globally. Well, Jessica, I am so excited to hear more about your story. I know that you and I have had long conversations, but some of some of the stuff about you racing motorcycles and all of those fun adventures, I actually don't know a lot about. So let's bring you into the conversation now. Can you can you share with me just a little bit a timeline on how this corporate and and race car driving has has worked together? Absolutely, for sure. I um I started out as a mechanical engineer, so I was a design engineer. So I kind of worked doing design in um, various settings and I kind of dabbled in motorcycles then. And then I ended up starting racing and I was still working as a design engineer. And my motorcycle racing uh, took me to the States. I would go to the U.S. to do uh, track days and all of that. Um, And I raced in Canada and a couple of different uh, tracks around Canada. And it turned into obsession. So I ended up going to Spain, to Basque Country, actually. My husband would kill me. Basque Country, sweetie, not Spain. Anyway, um, (laughs) so super interesting cultural learnings there. Um, and did a master's in motorsport race engineering. So I was in Europe for about five and a half years working with race cars, not bikes, and then came back to Canada about seven, seven and a half years ago, went back to engineering and started going into, um, corporate leadership roles and developing that way. Interesting. Oh, wow. That, that's, so you took, 
what was became a passion on the personal side was able to weave that into your business. And then when you came back, you did work corporate for a period of time in corporate leadership. So right now you're not necessarily in what we think of corporate, right? Yeah, I don't work in an office job anymore. I'm kind of pivoting into, into just different, different things, different gifts that I want to give to the world. Absolutely. And I know that a lot of that is quite heart centered, right? Being able to take that knowledge that, you know, I mean, being an engineer and I didn't realize that I knew motorcycles were something interesting and fascinating to you, but I didn't know that you had actually studied and that made that your master's. Yeah. Yeah. It was a master's of science in motorsport engineering. So I'd say you learn how to do either race car bike design you learn how to be a race car engineer. So that's like fuel strategies, tire strategies, coaching the drivers, downloading the data. And, um, and yeah, so there's so many different things that you can do with that. You can go and work in, in the office side of a race car team, or you can work on track, which is what I wanted. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. I love. Now, do you still race um, or, I- or ride at least? Yeah. yeah. I couldn't this summer. I still have a Kawasaki ZX6R big bike. Can't touch the ground on it <laughs> to get off the bike, literally to park it. And that hangs out with my uh, father-in-law's bikes in Basque country and overseas. And oh, then, really? uh, yeah, just this past spring, um, I got a little bit of a surprise in the, in the garage and I've got a Yamaha R6 there for the track to race. So this year with the COVID and all that, I couldn't race, but right. plan is to start racing next year again in uh, in the seniors class and oh, <laughs> oh my gosh Where, what do they account like what do they consider the seniors I'm pretty sure it's over 40 okay <laughs> that's funny oh my goodness because it really is and and I, I I and we are talking about tracks as opposed yeah. to like dirt bike right oh, yeah. these are pretty powerful powerful machines that you're riding yeah you're going to kilometers an hour how fast 200 kilometers an hour so sometimes faster the fastest I went was about 270 really yeah wow fascinating I might have peed a little bit maybe yeah I was gonna say what does that feel like it's insane because cognitively your brain can't understand how fast things are going by you oh right yeah because it's just faster than what you can register in your cognitive mind. So yeah, you kind of duck under the bubble and, and hope things don't get wobbly. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's faster than most people have ever traveled in a car and we're surrounded by metal in that, like when you're on a bike, you are just on a bike. Now I don't want to go any further until I address sort of the obvious. I mean, motorcycle riding and racing has predominantly been in the domain of men. Right. So what has that been like for you um, being a woman in that field and over the last few years and and what, what's that brought to your life? Well, it's interesting you say that because I remember racing in Edmonton and this was back in 2003, 2005 timelines. And they were talking about getting women's class there and there weren't a lot of women riders. Mm hmm. Those years in Ontario and Quebec, there were lots more like they have a Canadian women's championship over there. Oh, okay. Yeah. But here, not so much. And I always said, like, why have a woman's class? The bikes can't tell the difference. 
that's kind of how my attitude was back then until I learned more. Okay. Um, learned was the woman's class was allowed more women to actually step into the racing, get that confidence. And then they raced with the guys. Right. So which makes sense. I mean, and, we are physically built differently and there are some things that just predominantly are different. And if it's going to be in a sense, shall I use the word intimidating to step right into the men's yeah. class, yeah. you know, it, it does makes sense. I mean, it's all about getting out there, challenging ourselves, taking on adventure, being daring. I often do talks about being daring, which is different than being brave, right? It's not just overcoming fear. It's about adding that sense of adventure. And I know you're all about adding the sense of adventure for sure. And And it's doing it with the fear, right? Yeah. Then when I went to the, to the race car engineering side of things, that's probably when it was even more male dominated even. Oh, interesting. Okay. And so what I did was I did, I did, I'm very much um, an internalizing type of person. If we talk about different types of um, internal motivate, motivational uh, profiles, like with yes. determination field. So I'm very internalizing. So it took me about three years, but very calculated, like I'm going to buy a bike that I have to change the piston myself. I had to change the crank myself. So I taught myself how to build motors in my living room with a Japanese manual, like it wasn't even an English first. <laughs> that is one determined woman. Yeah. yeah. But I knew I had to learn that. Why? Yes. Because I was going to be leader of mechanics. Okay. So I'm going to tell a mechanic to bleed the brakes in a specific way. I want to be able to say, you know what? You're doing this because we've got a 15-year-old, 14-year-old, 16, 17-year-old's life at stake. But also... I used to do it this way and I risked my life at 210 kilometers an hour Right, that I did. So let me show you some pictures. So I used to take my mechanics in and like show them pictures of me building motors so that I could gain some cred with these guys. You are that that's really smart. That makes sense. Now tell me a bit. One of the things that you mentioned in your bio was how you really learned to navigate cultural diversity so yeah. tell me a bit more about that. This is when you were over in Europe? Um, both over in Europe. And then also when I got back and I went into Honeywell into a global global engineering role. So okay. in Europe, it was very much like hockey dads. I get it. Hockey parents, pretty tough. Yep. Uh, motorsport parents are dropping $50,000 a weekend or more. Oh, so wow. This it. was really big. Yeah. So, and this is before you get into, this is not formula one, right? So when you talk about cultures, you got to understand how differently Swiss parents are, German parents are, Spanish parents are, and their cultures and how they look at their babies that are driving, that they want them to be F1 drivers. Then same way with, for example, when I worked on the German team, my boss had said, can you just turn down the the Canada a little bit, like stop saying please and thank you because your mechanics thinks you're sucking up to them. Really? Yeah. And I had a conversation with the mechanics about it. I was like, does this kind of irk you? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, done. Wow. Fascinating. Put five liters in the car. Turn around. And just go and be done. It's got you being really. I mean, by the end of it, I love love those guys them on my Facebook friends. I always wish them happy birthdays. And we had, we had great times afterwards at the end of the race, we had beers together. Nice. So really interesting. So we had yeah. 
at one point we had a race in Budapest and we had seven languages under our tent. You know, wow. This French or one of our drivers was writing in yeah. Hebrew. Um, it was, it was crazy. Right. And what about for yourself? Like, do you speak another language? Yeah. So I'm fluent in Spanish. Okay. Um, I was speaking French a lot better than I do now. The Spanish kind of took yeah. Um, in 2012, I had started to learn German because my, I was on a German team Okay, to be able to at least say the numbers of the tire pressure or the fuel or whatever in German. So I started yeah. a bit, um, I would, that's like super rudimentary. And then I'm learning, um, quite rudimentary as well. Basque, my husband's really, mom. yeah. Interesting. And did you meet him while you were over there racing bikes or was he here no. and he just happens to be from there? He, he was the truck driver at the race car team where I did my master's. So I did oh, okay. add a team and he was driving the trucks and his mom was the chef for the team as well. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yum. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. So it was good. And then the other one was uh, like, you know, when you asked me about the cultural diversity, like when I was in Europe, with Honeywell, for example, I'd go off to the UK or I'd go off to Czech Republic and, and facilitate workshops there, Six Sigma workshops. And of course, you know, the workshop that the last workshop I did there, it was me and 35 men. Yeah. Well, you know how to hold your own. And that's what I was going to ask you next is I'd love to know two more things for sure before we run out of time is what are you doing now? Like what, where are you headed now? And um, with your business, with your work, I know you're doing more like corporate leadership training. Is that correct? Yeah. So right now, what I really learned through both through race car teams as well and corporate work was um, the communication uh, that can be lacking or the empathy, the resilience to keep yeah. you motivated. So right now what I'm doing, I'm, I've got some pretty funky new tools in my toolbox, um, an intrinsic motivation assessment, which is a very interesting tool. I'd love to actually, I'd love to offer you. Ooh, I'd love that. I'd love to check it out and we can share what that's all about. It's very cool. And, um, and also some six Sigma, um, six Sigma things. So like analyzing how systems work, how cross-functional teams, like can marketing play in the sandbox, nice with engineering, how about procurement and manufacturing? So really what I looked at and what I've learned throughout my career is that we do all these workshops, leadership training, it's hugs and high fives. And then a few months later, it goes back to either backstabbing or just to dysfunctionality and lack of empathy. So that's what I'm developing now is this, um, you know, leadership coaching business and consulting on these type of things. How, how are your teams working together? And the impact on that and how it impacts the bottom line, like the ROI on this kind of work is, is incredible. Oh, I can't hear you. Oh, did I? There you go. I somehow hit mute. I'm so sorry about that. Yeah. So, so that is fascinating, especially right now with people having to really communicate online for the most part these days, right? That, you know, you're not always in an office where you can build that in between your meetings, you can build a bit more of a rapport. So I'd imagine that leadership is needed even more so with the communications online. Oh, absolutely. And you're, how they're, how is their empathy and resilience, even dealing with their home personal 
struggles with COVID. So, I mean, at the end of the day, some of this coaching, it's certainly not um, a substitute for psychology, but I go deep when, when it comes to trying to help people function better that will show up in their work as well. Excellent. Now, before we sign off for everybody, I would love to end with asking you for three pearls of wisdom. What, like, it can be around your personal, you know, for on a personal level or more on a work level. Um, what, what do you want to share with people? What are three things that you'd like people to know? Oh, I love this. I like that. Yeah. That I- know about this question first you're sneaking. yeah I didn't give you any warning on this one did I no, no not at all so I did though um so one of my biggest pearls is to really learn how to listen em- empathetically and to step out of corrective complex you know a lot of time right now what we need is to hold space and everyone has that ability You know, it's just about doing exactly what you're doing right now. You're just being there listening, right? Number two would be that whole thing of empathy. If you can put yourself in someone else's shoes, even for a couple of minutes, it's amazing what it does for your brain development. And our brains are squishy, right? Like they they still develop. And then number three would be, this is what I end a lot of my motivational speaking with, is always take someone else's what ifs as a as as a way to make uh, a, a success plan so whenever someone if you think someone's trying to blow holes in your dreams don't take it that way just make it as a success plan what if this happens i'll make a plan for that i love it yeah it's a way to level up what you're already doing right I always say it's not, it's not so much, I I talk about instead of obstacles, I just, I, I changed the word. I use the word, um, considerations. Oh, nice. Right. Like just change it to a consideration, you know, that what if, okay, I'll take this into consideration. It might happen. It might not, but why not already pre-think about it? Beautiful. Jessica, you are an incredible woman. And I know because of the conversations we've already had, there are many other topics we could talk about, but I <laughs> wanted to bring you on because I just thought motorcycles are so exciting. I don't know if I ever told you, I learned to ride a motorcycle before I learned to ride a car, drive a car. Oh, when I was, yeah, was it was 16 so or 15, I guess. And it was a, a dirt bike and a little road bike. I grew up in Ontario and we spent a lot of our summers in, you know, cottage country and my boyfriend in high school, you know, had motorcycles at their cottage. So I learned how to ride a motorcycle and just well, learn how to change cool. gears. And it's helped me with knowing how to drive standard car. And it was fun. It was really fun. And I would love to, you know, I, I'm a little leery of going out on the roadways and especially in Calgary with all the snow, but mm-hmm. I would love to be on a racetrack, you know, on near it, right. I don't have to worry about anyone else, maybe not in a race and ride yeah. a motorcycle again. They, it really, there really is a thrill. And I know there's people out there and some of our listeners, um, there's lots of people, especially kind of in midlife that go, okay, the kids are out of the house, empty nest. And they and, and, um, their partners, um, you know, get on a motorcycle and it's an incredible way of touring. Um, and I know I said that was your last question. I'm going to slip one in an extra. Do you ever I know you're into the racing, but have you ever done like motorcycle tours where you actually literally travel around? Is that something that you enjoy doing? 
Yeah, I actually uh, rode from one side of Newfoundland and back with a friend of mine. We drove across Canada in a little truck with our motorcycles. Then we unloaded them and rode all around Newfoundland to go visit his parents, my parents. It was a great time. Wow. Uh, and in fact, so my husband and I, another little tidbit, I don't know if you know, but um, I've we recently purchased 1.2 acres of land in Costa Rica to build. Right, that's right. Hotel. And uh, what my husband wants to do is before we move down there is get a couple of bikes and go from Alaska down to Argentina and then go up and end in Costa Rica. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, definitely we'll have you back on the podcast when you're doing that, maybe along the trip. That is phenomenal. Yeah. Like, honestly, I could hear about your adventures for forever. (laughs) (laughs) We could just keep on carrying the conversations. Yeah, you'll be able to watch some of them over uh, over the winter here. I'm going to be doing some YouTube videos on maintenance and little bike tips with my Yamaha. Ride it. Awesome. Really hoping to have like some cool guests to to come on that. So now that I know that you started on two wheels. There we go. (laughs) It's been a while since I've been on one other than it's parked. So if someone wants to reach you, if someone's going, oh, count me in, I want to know more about motorcycles or I'm interested in your corporate, what's the best way for them to reach you? Is like LinkedIn or Facebook or something like that? LinkedIn works beautifully. uh, And then um, my Facebook profile is Cousin Jessica Sudin. And it's cousin because I'm half a Newfie and I've got tons of Newfie cousins. <laughs> That's awesome. I actually meant to ask you, why is it cousin? I get it. So you're cousin to all of, all of your, uh, we call your... each other cousins. So you would be cousin Joanne. I'm cousin Jess. I'm I love no... it. I love it. I want to be cousin Joanne. Your cousin well, Joanne. Jessica, thank you so much for being on today's call. I so appreciate you being here. I admire the adventure and the daringness that you do. And I know that you're truly unstoppable. I literally, I want to see pictures of you when you're like in your seventies or eighties, sitting on a motorcycle and just rocking it and encouraging all of us to keep getting out and pursuing our dreams and doing it with an empathetic heart. Thank you so Love much. For having me. All right. Take care. And thank you to our listening audience. We so appreciate you being here today and uh, tune in next week as well. And we'll have some more adventures for you. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us today. You've been listening to the Fabulous at 50 podcast with your host, Joanne Neweduck. Join us again for more inspirational interviews on topics that matter to you. If you like what you've heard on today's episode, check out the liner notes or to learn more about this vibrant community that celebrates women over 50, please visit fabulousat50.com. That's www.fabulousat50.com.